When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. draft we've said it for a long time and we'll continue to say it uh tonight on the podcast been a ton of value uh here in rounds two through three on day two of the nfl draft we'll be joined by sarah bettinger uh chief editor of nflmox.com uh that's right my boss gonna join us again here on the nfl mox podcast uh talk a little broncos but uh, most importantly, just to recap, rounds two through three in general, uh, we'll give you about 10 to 15 of some, some picks that we really highlight, we really love uh, and, and, and talk about here on tonight's podcast. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, however, wherever you found this podcast, please be sure to give us a uh, five-star rating. Like, rate, subscribe, and review. Uh, leave a question in there. Uh, if you want any questions answered about your team, how you think, how we think uh, your team did uh, in this year's draft so far, and uh, after this weekend total in general, because we're wrapping up tomorrow, we got rounds uh, four through seven. Uh, it's going to be a long day, uh, but we're excited to cover it here on the NFL Mox podcast and NFL Mox in general. Check us out on Twitter at NFL Mox, and you can check me out at brooks underscore austin fs we appreciate you guys for listening we'll get into that recap episode with sarah bettinger uh we'll see you guys next time thanks for listening all right here we are day two is done it's almost midnight here on the east coast rounds two and three have wrapped up we're joined by sarah bettinger chief editor of nflmox.com and father of three so needless to say he's feeling it a little bit at this point so Let's start off the top. Let's give the guy some juice. Let's pump him up early. Let's talk some Broncos, eh, Sarah? Yeah, I love it. I love it. This is my prime time of night, man. This is like we're just getting started with the night. Oh, yeah, just getting into a groove at this point. Kids probably just laid down, finally went to bed, not waking up anymore at this point. Yeah, that's right. Hopefully. That's the hope. Yeah, Uh, I'm probably a little ways away from the the parenthood, I would hope, at this point. But, um, 
nonetheless, man. Either way, this is going to get you rolling at least (laughs) at this point. So um, on the end of day two, here we are. We sit with Noah Fant in the first round. Then you Mm -hmm. pair up Dalton Reisner and Drew Locke in back-to-back picks there at 41 and 42. And then Draymond Jones in the third round. Sayer, did John Elway finally make you proud as a general manager here in the draft? I tell you what, man, the last the last two years have been really good for Elway. Uh, 2017 was just a, a bomb all around. I mean, I don't know if you remember the name Carlos Henderson, mm-hmm. but Carlos Henderson was one of our top picks that year, and he's not even in the league right now. So uh, it, it was bad. Um, and then last year, obviously, we got lucky with Bradley Chubb falling and then just a bunch of different picks throughout and, and Elway really, he really re-strategized the way that he does things. They've gone from kind of taking risks on guys who are maybe, you know, high, high level athletes and a little bit of a project to guys who have proven, you know, they can contribute over the course of time. Like these guys are experienced at, at big time college programs. If you look back at last year's crop that they got, and then this year coming in, I mean, wow, this is awesome. Uh, Noah fan, you talk about that. I mean, you know, I told you on one of the previous uh, shows or one of the previous times that we talked, I'm a big Iowa Hawkeyes guy. So getting Noah Fant is like, I mean, I, we got Josie Jewell last year. Think about that times 100 right now because Noah Fant, I mean, he's he's like my spirit animal, man. I love tight ends and receivers. Uh, I love guys who, who can just blaze past people on the field. The type of guy, you know, that you would want to play with in Madden, the guy that you're like, I'm just going to get the ball to Noah Fant every single play and he's just going to blow by everybody. Uh, I love that pick for the Broncos. Absolutely love it. And then coming out today, man, wow, Dalton Reisner, our boy. Our I boy. Got a chance to talk to him, dude. Seriously, and I, and I mean this truly. I'm not just saying this to pump up the Mox pod. That's one of the best interviews I've heard. Um, and, and Reisner's Thank a good you, interview no matter Thanks. where he's talking. So he that is, was, no doubt. He's a, a good morals guy, right? And uh, mm-hmm. always going to be a good locker room guy. Uh, and you know he's going to work his butt off. And, and, and it, it speaks true, man. Sometimes when you talk to those guys, they're real scripted. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they give the political answers. But I, I really, when you talk to Dalton, um, and I think it, that's why that interview was so good. I think that pled true. Um, in that interview, you could really feel that that's not just him pumping himself up or talking, you know, a good talk. You could really feel that that was genuine um, with him. So, yeah, to get him right there at 41 – and then a guy who we liked uh, the whole time at 10 there in Drew Locke um, for mm-hmm. him to fall all the way to 42. Um, and I thought it was nice that he got his moment across the stage there in Nashville. Um, he stuck around, you know, got to put the cap on uh, and walk across and shake hands and give a hug to uh, Roger Goodell. I thought that was a good moment. Um, and, you know, I like him now because, you know, and I always did going through the process. He's my quarterback number three. Um, and, and, you know, you had the overdraft there with Daniel Jones. But nonetheless, uh, and Dwayne Haskins falls at 15, and he's the, the uh, fourth quarterback off the board here at 42. How happy are you now uh, to have Drew Locke there uh, in, in Denver? I, I'm, I still can't even hardly believe it, to be honest. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, so everything that we've been hearing um, over on this end, the Denver Broncos end, was that John Olay wasn't taking a QB at this point. I mean, they were buying in fully to Flacco, and everyone thought that the Noah Fant pick really solidified that, that they're, mm-hmm. okay, we're going with Flacco, we're going to see what happens. 
And so all the national reporters, all the local reporters are talking about don't plan on a QB in round two, especially don't plan on Drew Locke. Like, and, and Elway has been interested in this guy for a long time. We talked about that on the previous pod that I was on, mm-hmm. too. They, they followed him around at the Senior Bowl. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned the fact that just they, they brought him in for the visit, I think, is what we were talking about that last time. They talked to yeah. him just a number of times. They, they went to see his Arkansas game earlier this or last year now at this point. So Elway's seen everything from this guy. He's got a chance to vet him more than any other prospect the Broncos drafted, really. And so that's where I think this is such a huge pick. This is a guy that, that Elway has loved for a long time. And, and really, to me, and I'm sure you've talked about this or heard this before, but for Denver Broncos fans, it really, he really reminds of Jay Cutler mm-hmm. uh, as, a, as a quarterback. But, and, and also Okay, a so bit in that, terms hold of on. His, I'll stop you because yeah, you yeah, Broncos yeah. fans, y'all probably have re- relatively decent memories of Jay Cutler there in yeah. Denver. I think you caught his prime. You didn't get cigarette smoking uh, hanging out <laughs> yeah. at the bar, Jay Cutler. You got a pretty serious straight fresh out of Vanderbilt uh, type of Jay yeah. Cutler with the, with the prime, you know, <laughs> what I call a chooch, right, a, a, a big arm. That's yep. the Jay Cutler you had. And, yeah, Drew Locke's that kind of guy. Um, I guess in the sense, maybe the temperament's there too. Um, I definitely get that. Um, I, I like the pick again, uh, an all platform thrower. That's the term we keep throwing around here on the NFL Mox <laughs> podcast. Um, cause that's what he is. No, no matter if his feet are set, and sometimes it does get him into trouble. Uh, cause he might, you know, he has the confidence of a, a Pat Mahomes, but about, you know, I'd say 79% of the arm capability. Um, but that's still incredible, yeah. right? Because Pat Mahomes yeah. is, is one of the biggest arms and, and best arm talents we've seen outside of, you know, maybe matched paired there with Aaron Rodgers. Um, yeah, he's ridiculous, man. And, and kudos to, to Locke, too. I mean, 44 touchdowns as a junior at, at Mizzou. I mean, that's big-time production. Mm-hmm. And we saw, we saw Mahomes have similar kind of production against Big 12 defenses, a little bit different than what, uh, what Locke has been going up against, not saying – you know, that Locke is better than Mahomes as a prospect by any means. But the Broncos know they got to go toe-to-toe with Mahomes for the foreseeable future. So you got to get a guy that believes in himself like Locke and has got that swagger, got that confidence. I'm okay with it taking a year or so. I think it's a great pick. Yeah, I mean, you've got flexibility there with Flacco. Um, man, we've already talked about him a little bit. We hit on him. Um, we love Dalton Rising. We already talked about it. He's our guy here on the NFL Mox Podcast. And I think one of the best stories – of this draft is the fact that, you know, maybe maybe it, it wasn't, you know, his favor. It didn't fall. The chips didn't fall his way in the fact that he didn't make it quite into that late first-round area. But if he were to fall to any spot, Denver of all places, for this kid to stay home in Colorado, um, A, I guess, what a great story it is for him, Sarah. Maybe comment on that. And B, as a Broncos guy, what does this maybe mean for Garrett Bowles uh, their, you know, former first round pick there at the tackle position out of Utah. Yeah. So first with the story, there was a really cool story that uh, a reporter named Ryan Koenigsberg uh, in Denver told about the senior bowl. He's kind of watching because John, if John always around all the Denver reporters are watching his every move to see what he's doing. That's how we found out he was he's a God, right? Block. Yep. He is. He's the Duke of Denver. And so, there was a really cool moment that happened where Reisner at the Senior Bowl sprinted over to Elway uh, and and made it a point to introduce himself to John Elway. It's just a, a childhood dream of his, you know, to meet the quarterback that he grew up cheering for. And so 
uh, that that to me is an indicator. Obviously, that the fact that he wants to play for Denver, and he said that a number of times um, because he's from Colorado, like you mentioned, and so it's just really cool. I mean, there's no nobody said that that has to happen. You know, for a guy who's from Colorado, he has to play for the Broncos. But last year they got Philip Lindsay, who went to high school close to where the Broncos play. And now he's a pro bowler in Denver. And now you got Wiggins, Colorado native mm-hmm. Dalton Reisner coming to open up the holes for him. And it's awesome. And I think that uh, with Bowles, so here's the fit is what, what John Elway said for Reisner. They're going to play him at guard. Mm. And uh, I remember him talking to you on the podcast about his versatility yeah. and the fact specifically that he feels like he can be a great fit in his own he's ready. He's ready to do anything. So, yeah. He's he's on it, man. He's gonna play right guard next to big money free agent Jawan James and, and I think that's great. I texted him after the first round. Um I I, I was kinda mad. I'm not even a Falcons fan. I was kinda mad to watch them uh take McGarry over him there at thirty one when they <laughs> traded back in the first round. Um talk about a scheme misfit. I don't I don't quite understand that. That's an outside zone scheme offense. Uh, Caleb McGarry's mm-hmm. not not that at all. Um, but anyways, uh, Josh Rosen finally gets traded here on day two uh, with a late second-round pick there at the 62nd overall pick. Uh, the Cardinals end up taking Andy Isabella right there with that pick. Sayer, what were your thoughts on Rosen, first of all, coming out of draft last season? Um, and, you know, what do you think now, basically, after yeah. just the year? Yeah, he was my QB number three. I had Sam Darnold one, Baker Mayfield two, but it was really like a 1A, 1B, and then borderline 1C with Rosen. Like I liked all those guys for different reasons, uh, but Rosen to me was kind of the best mechanically sound quarterback in the class. And, uh, and so I liked the pick for the Cardinals. I thought they got good value. I didn't like Josh Allen for sure. Uh, I know many people didn't like him, but a lot of people did like him. The Buffalo Bills love him, and he looks pretty good. So I could be wrong about him, but I liked uh, I liked him as the third best quarterback last year, and I thought that the Cardinals did a terrible job of of putting pieces around him. Just a dysfunctional environment. Obviously, they gave Steve Wilkes a one a one year, and uh, and Mike McCoy is not an offensive coordinator for this day and age of NFL. He's try he. I know from experience with the Broncos, he puts square pegs in round holes, or he tries to. And uh, he did it with Peyton Manning. He did it with Josh Rosen. So wherever Mike McCoy goes, I'm not saying he's, you know, just a hack or something like that, but he's it's it's not working. And so I don't think Rosen had the best situation, but I think he's going to a really good one where he's going to be able to play into a system there in, in Miami that's going to have some New England roots, and he's going to be able to get the ball out quick. And I think he's going to have some success. Yeah, I definitely thought he was the most natural thrower of the football um, in terms of just the quarterback position last year uh, in the draft. There was definitely some more mental concerns. I'm never going to doubt or, or you know downgrade a prospect for being too smart. Um, I, th- mm-hmm. I felt like a lot, but a lot of old school scouts will right. A lot of old guys yeah. don't like that um, when you sit in the meeting room and ask why. And uh, Josh yeah. Rosen's definitely a quarterback that would you know, be prone to do that in a meeting room. Another thing that we also heard last year was that he was kind of like a New York and, and big market only type of quarterback. He, he, and, mm. and for me, man, I don't understand, you know, Eli Manning got to do it. Is he, is it just a Manning thing? Are they the only ones that are allowed to, you know, kind of determine their own market, but it definitely affected Josh Rosen's stock last year. 
Um, but I liked him a lot coming out of college. But um, what do you think he ends up doing here with Miami? Because, honestly, I hope he flat out balls out. I mean, I yeah. like Kyler Murray. I want Just because of the play style of Kyler Murray, I think nothing would be more fun to watch than for that guy to, you know, str- you know run off a bunch of uh, Super Bowls and stuff like that because yeah. the play style is incredible. I, hope it, I really do hope it translates. But on the other end, because this guy's just been run through the mud, I really, really hope Josh Rosen shoves it to a bunch of people uh, coming up. I, I really do. What do you think he does in Miami? Yeah, I think he's going to do well. Uh, I think that's a scheme and a system that fits. I mean, we were talking about last year, uh, maybe the Patriots would be a team that could look to trade up for Josh Rosen. And so him going to a similar style of offense, I think it's going to really suit him well. So I think he's going to have success, and I love the move for the Dolphins because they're getting they're getting Rosen for pennies on the dollar. Like the the Arizona Cardinals paid him his fourteen point four million dollar salary bonus. Like that is that's done. That's in the past, and his salary his base salary doesn't exceed seven hundred fifty k over the next three years. So that's a bargain for the Dolphins, and they get that fifth round option if they want it here four years from now. So I it. To me, you can build around Rosen for a year or two, still draft a guy next year. I mean, they got a 2020 second round pick today uh, in their all their maneuvering down. They've got an extra fourth round pick in next year's draft. So they've got the they've got the ammunition to move. And I think that they're going to be just bad enough where they may not even have to move up to get the quarterback that they would want next year. So try Rosen out this year. If he works, then you get the best non quarterback in next year's draft or you trade that pick for a bounty. I, I don't understand why teams weren't lined up to get Josh Rosen because quarterbacks are currency in the NFL, and he's talented. I mean, he's a top-10 pick in a recent draft, and he didn't do anything wrong last year other than show that he's a rookie who struggles, just like all rookies do. So I am a big fan of this move for the Dolphins. I think Rosen's going to show progression in year two, and, and I think he's going to do well. Man, I saw a quarterback that was just in the worst of – like the – the worst of worst situations possible last year in Arizona. Um, by the 10th week, I think it was, in the NFL season, Brian Leftwich was his offensive coordinator. Um, I, I, I'm yeah. not here to throw yeah. shots at Brian Leftwich, but, uh, you know, that's not the greatest type of situation for a rookie quarterback. <laughs> um, Defensive-minded head coach there. We know the track records with rookie quarterbacks at this point. Um, in terms of, you know, defensive head coaches, it's not a great run there. Um, maybe a potential reason why Steve Kahn fired uh, their head coach there and hired uh, Cliff Kingsbury. But, um, you know, now they got their guy uh, reportedly in Arizona. And, and, again, we all hope, at least I do, and, Sarah, I think you feel the same way. Um, we ho- I hope it plays out for Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen both. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're both in two situations and two markets uh, there in Arizona and Miami that both need a real, real resurgence. Uh, Arizona uh, most recently, like in 2010, were good. They're um, – in the uh, Kurt Warner days, but, you know, Miami hasn't been good, obviously, since Dan Marino. So both those markets needed bad. Um, but a guy who yeah. fell in this uh, draft, obviously, is DK Metcalf. Sarah, he falls all the way to Seattle at 64. Obviously, for Seattle, it's great, you know, great news there. It's great value at 64. Um, but maybe what's what's going on here with the fall, Sarah? Because I've got, you know, kind of my own things I've heard, obviously, um, through Twitter and uh, other things and uh, other things we've heard from the media. What, what's, what's your take on the thing? 
Yeah, you know the the rumor floating around is PD usage, mm-hmm. and and obviously if you, if if DK Metcalf, I was were, you notice I was trying to make you say it. I, yeah, I I'm I not out here trying to throw it around. I mean, but it is. I, I put it on Twitter. The the picture, man. It we we saw the picture from the start. Like we it it, it looks suspect. Yeah. We've heard the stats. Yeah. What he yeah. I mean, he didn't stop it. He didn't he didn't tell anybody. You know, hush hush the word. He was out putting it out too. I mean, if you. If you're not going to be clean, it's not good. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I Yeah, I'm with you completely. And so, I don't know. I just think, not that he's too big or anything. It's just like, you know, it does raise some, if somebody's that freakishly physically gifted, I mean, it's worth, it's worth considering. I mean, that doesn't, you don't get to look like that unless you're some sort of bodybuilder. And, and those guys we know are cutting supplements. So, you never know what he's, what he's supplementing to look like that. He's a pretty big dude, but. Uh, you know, a lot of who knows who knows what it ultimately is. I mean, it could it could end up just being the fact of, hey, look, this is a guy who had what less than seventy career catches in college or yeah. something crazy like that. So I, I mean, he's so yeah, sixty eight catches and and pretty unprecedented. I don't even know if there's ever been a receiver uh, taken in the first round of the draft other than Matt Jones, who was a quarterback at Arkansas. Uh, Back in the, that's a flashback. I was about play. to say, Dick back. Why don't you? Was I even born? Yep. Good Lord. Was, I think that was the 04 draft. Right Holy there, crap. I, I was 10, Sayer. Yeah, that's good. Dude, I was memorizing the back of their rookie cards back in those days. So, yeah, man, Matt Jones, he, he didn't play wide receiver. So he may have been the only other guy that I can think of. But DK, I mean, I, I kind of saw him as a late first, early second all along, just based on athleticism purely. But you look at, I mean, you look at what the Seahawks are getting. I remember we did a mock draft, man. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing mm-hmm. this all back to memory. You talked about the mm-hmm. fit. You talked about who likes to yuck the ball downfield more than anybody in the NFL and who's better at it than anybody in the NFL than Russell Wilson. And so I love the fit. I was thinking of you as they made the pick, man. As they traded up, I'm like, it's got to be DK. It's got to be DK because the Seahawks love to get the ball downfield. And, hey. I, who knows if Doug Baldwin's going to play again? I mean, boy, that's a scary situation. So I like the pick. Man, Sarah Bettinger got a wonderful life and a wonderful wife, three kids, and in the midst of a draft, he's thinking about me. That's just <laughs> that's just awesome, right there, baby. I love it. But no, uh, the Russell the Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf deep ball threat and opportunity is definitely a sexy pair in there in Seattle, and I love it, man. And like you said, we talked about it all the way dating back to our mock draft. There, um, another Ole Miss guy. Let's transition right into it. Uh, AJ Brown, man, one of my favorite guys in this draft. My wide receiver one. He falls all the way to fifty-one in this draft to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah, especially. I mean, it's a great pick for me, especially when you consider Marcus Mariota's strengths, uh, which is priority number one is throw the ball short, uh, not a deep ball thrower. Uh, here with Marcus Mariota. A.J. Brown is the ultimate short game guy to me, man. Your thoughts on Tennessee getting A.J. Brown here uh, at 51 in the uh, second round? Oh, just like just like their first round pick of Jeffrey Simmons, I mean, I think it's great value. Mm-hmm. You know, they get a guy who, like you said, he's your wide receiver one, and this year that could be a different guy for eight different teams, you know? So I, I love the fit. Like you said, they're going to get the ball out quickly. And A.J. Brown, I don't know. This may be this may be a bit of a reach, and I don't know if he's this. I don't think he's quite this slow because I think Anquan Bolden ran like a four seven something, yeah. but maybe a little bit of Bolden in his game, and uh, and I tough. like that kind tough of tough as hell. Yeah, tough guy. Yeah, exactly. That's what I. That's what I'm saying. You know right who there. I see? I see D- 
DJ Moore after the catch with the route stem of Juju Smith-Schuster out of the slot. I like it. That's exactly I like what it. I see. This dude is built like an absolute, like he, uh, an absolute NFL running back uh, playing mm-hmm. slot receiver uh, and has spatial awareness, man. I've talked about it a lot on the NFL Mocks podcast. At the slot position uh, primarily, spatial awareness is huge uh, for these young guys coming into the league. Just knowing how to get open uh, in zone coverage is so, so important uh, because they all have man principles nowadays. Uh, everybody's matching up with you as you run across the middle of the field. Uh, another guy mm-hmm. who uh, we think is a pretty good value pick, at least, man. And I, let's stop right here. I want to get your take, man. Do you think all these guys that maybe slid down and the value's falling, do you think this might have been a, a, a draft Twitter creation? Do you think these are just names we hear? Because Twitter, <laughs> draft Twitter's bigger now than ever, right, Sarah? Yeah, do you yeah. think this is just something that we constantly hear over and over again? We hear these names over and over again. You know, there's 256 guys that are going to be picked. We only hear 130-so names over and over again on Twitter and whatnot. Even guys like Matt Miller, uh, Todd McShay, and uh, Mel Kuyper fall pr- uh, privy to it. Um, is it a, a draft Twitter creation is what I'm asking you, Sarah? You know, it could, it could be a little bit. I think from, from what I was reading from just some reporters who talked with NFL teams and stuff, they kind of polled and said, like, what does your board look like? And, you know, how many first-round grades do you have? And most teams were kind of split up like this. So it was like one through six blue chip guys. And then like beyond that, there was maybe like 10 more uh, first round guys. So they're talking about like between from 17 to 18 and then like on down to maybe the 50s or 60s, kind of everybody is kind of jumbled into this one big group and nobody really knows where everyone's going to be ranked within that group. So it's kind of like, you know, you get a little bit of group thinking draft Twitter, don't you? I mean, not everybody forms their own opinion uh, anymore. They just kind of go with the opinions that they trust instead of their own eyes, which, you know, just go ahead and use them every now and again. You know, don't, you don't always have to rely on what somebody else says. Although I do appreciate the value of having a third party uh, evaluate picks for your, for your like favorite team. I know you don't have a favorite team, but like, you know, it's good to have a third party who likes the pick that your team made and you can you can point to them and say, all right, this is what this person sees. But, yeah, man, I think it's just kind of weird that the boards for everyone are, are they're so different. Uh, but amongst draft Twitter, a little bit of groupthink, it keeps it kind of kind of that same tier. So everybody's wondering, well, why is this guy falling? You know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, he's everybody's number one player tomorrow because of why. He's hyped on draft Twitter, but, yeah. you know, obviously the NFL didn't, didn't like what they saw or they know something we don't yeah well I mean we haven't seen a guy like Tyree Jackson either um mm-hmm. you know the quarterback out of Buffalo uh but I think we're still early for uh automatic backups at the quarterback position I think that's obviously rounds five six oh, and seven savage uh, for that I mean come on bro I mean if, <laughs> I if, was, you, yeah. if you're not off the board at this point you're probably not going to get a real legitimate shot to start at this point yeah, uh in the it. NFL so I mean it, it's cold cut but that's the way it is um you know, you might turn into a, uh, a T.J. Yates, start a couple games, right? I mean, that might happen. Brutal. Uh, you know, might do uh, – what's Buddy from Northwestern that played in there in Denver? Also, Trevor, one, Trevor Simeon. You might pull a Skittles. Trevor Simeon, uh, get seven or eight starts in the NFL, and guys like, mm, yeah, he'll be all right, and then make a living <laughs> as a backup quarterback. Like, that's your life oh, yeah. as, a, as a fifth, sixth, seventh-round quarterback. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Uh, yeah, the, the, yeah. the days of the Tom Brady – are long gone, I think. Uh, those guys yeah. don't slip anymore. 
Uh, a lot no. of that has to do with draft Twitter. A lot of that has to do with the accessibility uh, of being able to the exposure of all these guys constantly. Uh, those those yep. dudes don't fall. But uh, a guy that did fall, let's get back to it, Greedy Williams. Uh, and this was a, a really interesting story, Sarah. We talked about it a little bit in pre-show. Uh, this guy didn't receive a single team visit invitation during this whole entire draft process, something I've never really seen for a player that carried, you know, a top 32, top 40, if you will, uh, you know, draft grade uh, throughout this process. So, um, you know, have you ever seen that? First of all, Sarah, you've been covering, obviously, you've been reading the back of, you're shaking your heads right, you're shaking your head right now. Um, you've been covering this, obviously, reading the back of cards since 2002. Have you ever seen something <laughs> so peculiar? Peculiar. No, I haven't. I've never heard of anything like it. I mean, you hear about guys whose visits are maybe uh, kept under wraps, like TJ Hawkinson. No, no reporting of his pre-draft visits, but we know he was taking visits for sure. And maybe that's the case with Greedy, but the report was that he didn't take any pre-draft visits. So it wasn't that we don't know of the ones that he took. It's that he didn't take any. So if that's the case, you got to wonder what's he hiding or what's his agent uh, making sure that he doesn't, that other teams don't find out on their visits. And, and, but it is interesting to me too, also the fact that he was still picked in the second round, despite that. Uh, And, and John Dorsey, man, I it's not that I'm losing respect for John Dorsey. I think he's done a great job of building a couple of rosters in Kansas City and Cleveland. But, man, is this guy, does he just not care at all about the character personalities? I mean, he he does not care. He drafted Tyreek Hill despite some things, Kareem Hunt, obviously some things coming to light. I'm not saying that Greedy Williams did anything that those guys did by any means, but I'm just saying you got to get to know a guy who's got some question marks you know, whether whether it be on the field or injury stuff or, you know, there was questions about his commitment or something, you know, things like that floating around. Those could be lies. They could be, you know, that could be the Browns spouting those lies, trying to get him to fall down the board. But at the same time, bring the guy in and, and vet him a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. this is what gets so many teams in trouble is you just pick these guys blindly, whereas you have the opposite. And go back to the Broncos for a second. You have the opposite there where all four of their first four picks in this draft, those guys were all brought in for pre-draft visits. And that's pretty unprecedented even for Elway. But you just I, – I don't understand why you wouldn't want to get to know a guy. I've never heard of anything like it. Yeah, to me, man, it seems like John Dorsey is taking the value at all times. And it, it, the sad thing about it, Sarah, as long as the guy stays clean once he gets to the league and, and he becomes a productive player – John Dorsey ends up looking like a genius. I mean, let's be honest, (laughs) until the Kareem Hunt video surfaced and until the Tyreek Hill thing surfaced, John Dorsey looked like a genius there in Kansas City. Now, the obvious immediate backlash right there is that those things came to light, right? Um, (laughs) But around the league, we see this constantly. um, But I guess John Dorsey is just the most brash about it, right? He's going to be right there in your face with it, uh, seemingly not caring um I, I guess that's the point but I'm right there with you but again mm-hmm. I think that the the reality of the fact is that the the sad part there is that I don't really think people care like they're in, in yeah. Cleveland and Cleveland all that that entire fan base right now is just thinking oh we've got a great steal right here uh in the second round here at what pick 51 I think it was mm-hmm. um so yep. I, I think that's kind of more of the morality or the, the reality of the situation there in Cleveland. And, again, the day something bad happens, the day he ruins a locker room, right, if, if it is a locker room yeah. issue, the day he ruins a locker room, um, 
you know, then it'll come to light. And, and what I was about to tell you in pre-show, uh, you know, it, is, it may be a character issue uh, here with uh, Greedy Williams, and I, I'll, be, I'll go ahead and tell you. I played a long time. Uh, you know, I played a lot of football, and I played with a lot of cornerbacks, a lot of defensive backs, right? And uh, to me, man, if you, did, if you weren't very willing to tackle, uh, I didn't necessarily, like, you weren't necessarily the greatest guy is basically what I'm telling you. It, it, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a strange correlation, uh, but it's the basic reality of the fact that, like, if you're not going to lay it on the line when everyone else is laying on the line, uh, you're obviously not a very good dude in the, in the heat of the battle. <laughs> uh, you're probably not going to be a very good dude uh, when, you know, everything's just cool. Um, and I'm not stipulating that's not just a, a regular stereotype, but it's something I observed throughout my career um, mm-hmm. you know, playing football. So another guy here, and it's just a classic pick, man. Uh, Chase Winovich, 13th pick in the <laughs> third round to the New England Patriots. It just sounds about right, doesn't it, Sarah? It really does. Uh, I saw somebody tweet out that their top comp for uh, Chase Winovich was Rob Ninkovich. So not, I don't know if that was just because their last names kind of rhyme or whatever, but. Yeah, a lot of a lot of itches. You know the Patriots love the itches, mm. so the itches and the cowskis. So yeah, the skis, so, the skis and yeah. the, the itches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. So I, I think it's the quintessential Patriots pick. I mean, obviously, uh, Belichick maximizes guys just like that every single year. It doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter what round he gets them in. He always maximizes guys who are kind of those tweeners who can play inside, outside, standing up. And I'm sure Chase Winovich will do all that with New England as they roll to the AFC Championship game again this year. And he has a big sack on, you know, somebody in the playoffs and yada, yada, yada. And remember when Chase Winovich was the 15th pick of the third round? I can already see it now, and it's already making me sick. And it just happens every single year, man. Every single year. But... You gotta hate the. You can't hate the player. You gotta. I feel just like hate the game. I feel like every fan in the AFC is just like, can the Patriots just go away? Like we just. I'm sorry. I'm tired. Yeah. Of it. Um, every time I think that they make like make bad draft pick or that they reach on some guy. I remember I was, when they picked Deron Harmon. I was like, who the heck is Deron Harmon? And now you know he's a key piece. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, or just guys like that. You know, it doesn't even have to be him. Like. It's just crazy, man. I'm a firm it's believer crazy. that Bill Belichick could probably go um, – I'll give him nine and six. No, nine and seven perennially uh, with just under, undrafted free agents. Give him, yeah. give him like the first pick of the litter in the undrafted free agent pool, and I guarantee mm-hmm. he can go nine and seven. I just think he's that – I think he's a better evaluator of those types of guys uh, than yeah. he really is at, at the top end. But uh, to me, man, it was a classic, like, one and then the one side of Belichick drafting and then the other side of Belichick drafting, right? You get a, yeah. guy, a guy like Chase Winovich who totally out of nowhere falls to you there in the third round. And then a shocker pick. You never know what Belichick's going to do out of nowhere. We draft our second running back for the second year in a row in Damian Harris, uh, you know, the starter out of Alabama, a guy who's had a million touches there at Alabama, um, unlike Josh Jacobs, right? I mean, Josh Jacobs barely even started a handful of football games this year. So I think that was my takeaway. You get both sides of the Belichickian draft, and what were you? What, yeah. what were your thoughts there? Well, you live down there in SEC country, so you know how much uh, how enviable it would have been two years ago if a team had Sonny Michelle and Damian Harris on the same roster, mm. uh, even as good as those two teams' backs are. It just, uh, you know, 
separated or individually. Uh, they, I mean, that's a crazy duo right there. Damian Harris, I thought, if he'd come out in last year's draft, I would have liked him as a first, second-round guy. I thought watching him play, he looked like a, a pro-ready guy at that. I mean, just as a as a junior. So, And not that a lot of junior backs aren't, but this guy's working pass pro. He can catch out of the backfield. He can do a little bit of everything. Obviously, the Patriots value that. So Sony's going to be the the workhorse, but Damian Harris, man, I mean, he could be. I mean, he could be if they need him to be. And so, fantasy football owners steer clear of the Patriots, I suppose, if that's yeah. your that's your play. But I mean, these guys know how to win football games, and look what they look what happened this past year. They transformed into this run oriented, just complete smash mouth offense. And Sony Michelle led the way, so mm-hmm. who's to say Damian Harris can't just join in the party? And, and I, I think it's a great pick. I think everybody that watched Patriots football last year, especially if you you know down here in the South, you watched a lot of you watched a lot of Georgia football, right? We saw Sony Michelle do a lot out of the backfield here at Georgia, and he didn't do a ton there in New England in his first season. So um, uh, I, I think you know Damian Harris. Is immediately the third down guy. Like you mentioned, his pass pro capabilities. This is a guy that absolutely will stick his nose in there uh, and has the ability to block at the next level uh, in pass protection. Uh, you know, another classic. Bill Belichick takes a big corner. Uh, he's probably not going to play corner. Joe Juan Williams probably going to be, uh, you know, just a DB in general. They'll play him all over the field there, uh, about six three and I think a quarter inch uh, out of Vanderbilt. Um, and it, to me, man. Belichick has, what, about a 50-50 hit rate there in the defensive back crew, which is pretty good Jeez, at, yeah. the defensive, at the defensive back, right? At the, uh, Seems like that guy can do anything that he wants in the defensive backfield right now. Uh, and now that you're mentioning all these picks, it's making me even more sick just thinking about the fact that they actually got all these guys on the roster right oh, now. Oh, dude, they got, I think they got six more picks tomorrow or something crazy yeah, like that. Yeah, they do. So. They picked up Nikhil Harry in the first. Joe Juan Williams is the guy that I actually had the, uh, mocks to them at 32 uh, in my mock, my final mock draft. So, I mean, they, they've been talking about this pick for a couple weeks now on actually Good Morning Football. And uh, Peter Schrager's talking about how uh, Bill Belichick views Joe Juan Williams as a guy that he can just match up as a 6'4 defensive back against any tight end, any receiver. He's got the hips. He's got the length. He can pretty much do it all. So, man, now that we're talking about all these picks that the Patriots made, it's kind of making me wonder, like, man, they really got all these guys, and they had 32 in round one, and here we are. We're going into day three, and the Patriots are just – they're winning again, man. All right. Well, speaking of winning, uh, let's do a little last segment here. Uh, Let's do – go day two, high high five, low five. All right? I want your best five picks uh, in rounds two and three. And then we'll try to round up five of the worst picks, man. I don't think there was a lot of really, really bad ones here, uh, Sarah, uh, but we'll try to round up five there. But we'll be a little more positive. Uh, We'll definitely give the folks ten good ones. I'll start first. I think the value uh, at 37 for Jawan Taylor, man, this was Jacksonville's guy. And for him to ultimately fall to them all the way there at the top of the second round, I know they traded back up for him, um, but, man, even with the knee, man, I don't really care about it. Um, even if they have to move a little capital for him, I love the pick um, because it's their guy, right? Everyone in the mock drafts had him going seven. They definitely need a right tackle. Cam Robinson coming back from the injury now, uh, going to slide back into the left tackle position. And Jawan Taylor, even if he's only fully healthy, 100% healthy for the next five to seven years, 
he's going to be a you know a starting caliber tackle uh, there in Jacksonville. So I love the pick, uh, and I love that he ended up staying there in Jacksonville, ended up wrapping back up there at thirty-seven. Yeah, I love that pick. Uh, I'll go to the I'll go towards the bottom of the first round, and I'll take uh, Paris Campbell for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the Colts, just just based on that fit, I'm, I don't even think he was necessarily even their best pick in the second round. But I, I've seen him compared a little bit to Percy Harvin. And if the if the Colts can get a guy like Percy Harvin in their offense to go with T.Y. Hilton, I'm not a huge Devin Funches fan, but with Andrew Luck throwing passes, uh, he made Eric Ebron a pro bowler. So, I mean, let's let's be real about it. Let's see what Devin Funches can do. And then Paris Campbell running all over that formation at 4-3-5 or whatever he was. That's insane. So getting him at the 27th pick in round two, really good value. I'm not saying Paris Campbell runs the routes of Stephon Diggs, but after the catch, they look like twins. When I, mm. when I watched Paris Campbell uh, this past season and the last couple seasons at Ohio State, after the catch and when he got his when the ball was in his hands, uh, I felt like he looked exactly like Stephon Diggs. But again, Stephon Diggs is a top three route runner in my mind, uh, pure route runner in the NFL. So uh, he's not quite on that level yet, uh, but we'll see. My second favorite pick uh, in these rounds, two through three, Sarah, has got to be Lonnie Johnson, the cornerback out of Kentucky. Uh, going to Houston there at 55. I think it's an absolute great pick, man. Galani Johnson is tough as hell, man. The leader, uh, well, let's call him the second leader. Him and Josh Allen there on that Kentucky defense. Uh, Lonnie Johnson, a DB that's going to come down in the line of scrimmage and put his face mask up against yours. I love Lonnie Johnson. He fits that scheme there in Houston. Uh, you know, they asked J.J. Watt to do a lot of stuff and let him do a lot of stuff there. Uh, let him, you know, dart inside a lot on run plays. Uh, take a lot of chances to, you know, because he's a great player. He's, he's, he's there to make tackles for losses and, and get sacks. But that puts a lot of uh, stress and, and strain on your corners. They better be able to tackle. Lonnie Johnson is definitely one of those guys. So I love the pick there uh, at 55. I think it's great value. Yeah, I'll go for my second. I'll go with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside for the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's uh, play some hoops. For, let's play some hoops for real, for real, for real. Uh, they get Golden Tate at the trade deadline last year. They don't retain him in free agency, and he ends up going to a division rival. I don't know that J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is, is a true slot player. He's more of the jump ball. Like you said, I mean, he's going to go up and get that rebound for you. But, man, what a weapon for the Eagles to get him at the bottom of round two. I think even with the, the concerns about his speed uh, on the field when he's actual game speed instead of 40-yard dash speed, which I know was fine at the pro day. At but pro game day. speed at the pro day, it's all, it's all good, you know. But at the, he, he's, there's a reason he didn't run it at the combine. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, so I think that you get a good jump ball guy, red zone threat. I really like him with Alshon. He kind of reminds me of Alshon Jeffrey. That's the what more I'm saying. I, I think him. it kind of clogs it up. Like uh, – that's a lot of what I see here in the Philadelphia Eagles draft. And I hate to be that guy, but, like, uh, where are you going to play? Uh, is Jordan Peters just going to uh, step down this year? Uh, or, excuse me, Jason Peters just going to step down this year, left right, tackle? Right. Uh, is Andre, Where are you going to play Andre Diller? Because you damn sure can't play him at guard. Like, I hate to be right. that guy, but, like, what's yeah, going to happen yeah. there at that position? And he's not playing right tackle. Lane Johnson's the best right tackle in the game. Um, I don't really understand. I hate to be that guy. I love Andre Dillon. I love the pick. I know he's the future at the position. And it's kind of the same thing here at the wide receiver position. 
uh, early in this second, what was it, second round here with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Um, he looks a lot like Alshon Jeffrey. I think you're kind of clogging uh, the outside seams there, uh, two guys that, you know, make their money going vertically. Um, but, you know, we'll see if it play out. But, uh, you, you know, you like the pick, um, and I like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, but maybe paired with Alshon Jeffrey, not so much. But, again, good value there at that pick. So my number three guy on my board, my third favorite pick, I know we hit on it and we don't necessarily like it um, in terms of John Dorsey's character and history. Uh, but, again, Greedy Williams, uh, it is still worth repeating. It's good value there at 46 um, because he is a top 32 talent. Uh, you know, a 4-3, you know, 4-3-4, what was it, 4-3-2, uh, 40 mm -hmm. runner there at the combine. We know he can flip his hips, and we know he, he's a sticky six foot two uh, cover corner uh, there out of LSU. So it's good value at 46, but, again, character concerns, we'll see if it plays out. Who's your number three there, Sarah? Oh, we're just in round two, right? Are we going all day Oh, two? no, all day two. All two and all three. Good. Yeah, I got some, you know, I, I, no, yeah, I went in order. I went chalk. But, I, yeah, I got some guys sprinkled in here. I got 74 coming up. Don't worry about that. All right, all right. I'm going to go I'm gonna go all the way down to pick number 100. Mm. And I'm going to take one of my guys here, Will Greer, for the Carolina Panthers. This is, to me, one of the steals of, of the draft so far. Uh, I don't – I didn't necessarily think Will Greer was a top 10 pick or anything like that. But I think the more that I watched him, the more that I saw just a, a true baller out there at the quarterback position. I love a guy – that plays with confidence, that plays to win. And, and I look no further than his game against Kyler Murray last year when he went toe-to-toe -to -toe for four quarters with the best offense and the and the best player in college football. And Greer's just that kind of competitor. Uh, I love what he brings to the table. I know he made some, some questionable decisions because his arm doesn't necessarily match his heart all the time. But I love that he's got that, that heart, that desire to win games. And we may see him play this year. Uh, Cam Newton, I don't know what's going on there with the shoulder and whatnot. I don't know if he's going to go to Europe and get the old Andrew Luck treatment, but uh, the we blood, may see the blood doping, man. Don't 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 cover <laughs> it up. Don't sweep, don't sweep it under the rug. Say what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, you man. want to talk about PEDs? They, they man. go Look pull out. Andrew they Luck's go pull out. Here's listeners. Here's how it works. They go pull out about four. What do you got? Eight liters of blood in your body, Sarah. They pull out about four liters of blood from your body, spin it in a machine. Make a real, real thread, get the platelets going all over the place, and then they stuff the blood back into your body, and it makes everything heal twice as fast. <laughs> Kobe used to do it. Peyton Manning yeah. used to do it. You think Peyton Manning's neck just magically healed because he got a good doctor? No. Uh, you know, Tiger Woods used to do it. All these guys do it. And now everyone does it, like he's saying. And, and it's typically done over in Europe, as he's saying. But I, I agree. Um, good picks there. Um, I'll go to my number four guy, uh, Devin Singletary. Uh, this guy rejuvenates an old running back's room there in Buffalo. And here he is, my RB number one. I'm, I'm hitting you with my guys. Uh, Darren, or right. Devin Singletary was my RB one, and he goes here at 74. This is a guy, I've said it here on the NFL Mox podcast a ton. Uh, the first guy, good luck. You're going to miss him, I guarantee it. At least that was his history there at FAU um, playing under Lane Kiffin. Uh, didn't have a lot of help there. Uh, not a lot of professional offensive linemen playing at Florida, Florida Atlantic. Um, but nonetheless, I love Devin Singletary, uh, especially the value here uh, at 74. Uh, Buffalo gets a good guy. And his comp, man, he does look a lot like Shady McCoy. Shady McCoy yeah, yeah. in his prime is going to make a lot of guys miss. But we've obviously seen since he's been there in Buffalo, you know, had the real good probably first 12 games uh, there since they signed him. Um, but after that, it's been injury-ridden. 
So that's my guy at yeah. four. That's a good pick. That's a good pick right there. I'm going to go with Ja'Kai Polite for mm. the Jets. Great tape, bad workout. And uh, you get him at round three, pick four, pick number 68 overall after getting Quinnen Williams last night. Man, I mean, the Jets are putting together something special on defense, and they're doing it with all sorts of SEC boys, man. Mm-hmm. you got to love that, huh? Uh, I mean, just, just great stuff. Jamal Adams on the back end. Uh, they got the safety from Florida. Who now I'm thinking of this year's players, so I can't even think. Is it May? Marcus May? Is that who they've got? Yeah, back? I don't remember. sounds like sounds right. So Quinn and Williams, and then Jakai Polite. Now I, I love what they're putting together. Man, man, one thing that fascinated me about Jakai Polite is when you turn on the film, the last thing you would think is that guy runs a four eight four. Like, yeah, like yeah. he's he's quick twitch is 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 all get out. He's bendy is all get out. Like the tape screams athlete, and then you see tape. Of him running down, uh, you know, SEC uh, <laughs> running backs all the way down the sideline, yeah. 40, 45 yards down the field, which, again, we talked about it. When you play football, those guys that are given that kind of effort, they, they're typically your high-character guys. So, for him to not interview well, the, none of the tape matches what we heard. I, it's just – it's been fascinating to me. Um, but, yeah. again, I think that's, a, that's some good value there. Uh, my number five, the last guy I'll give you here uh, in my high five uh, is Nasir Adderley. Coming off the board mm-hmm. at 60 um, is insane to me for the L.A. Chargers. He and Jalen Ramsey are going to give your Broncos nightmares uh, for about a decade yeah. to come there, Sarah. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, they're going to give my – Drew Derwin James is already giving us nightmares. So, yeah, let's oh, add I Adderley to the I next. said Jalen Ramsey, didn't I? It's been That's a right. long, long week. Dude, I'm gonna be honest with you. I didn't even notice. I thought you said Derwin James. I put, I just paired it together in my in my mind. I didn't even notice you said Jalen Ramsey. Must so, be that FSU thing. There you go. I, I like it. Imagine having them on the same team and not doing anything in bowl season. Um, hey man, chill anyway. out. Jimbo Fisher got seven and a half million dollars <laughs> a year. That, yeah, <laughs> For you're <eight>. right. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, I'm going to go with the guy who's going to be trying to throw passes in between those two guys. You know, I got to go with a Broncos pick right here. I would pick Reisner. We, we talked about him quite a bit. I'm taking Drew Locke because I'm looking at this pick. It's the 10th pick of the draft, but it's on night number two. And I don't think anybody would have batted an eye if the Broncos had picked Drew Locke at pick number 10 last night. And to get him at pick number 10 to, on night two, on day two of the draft – incredible value to me. Uh, they traded up to get him. They traded a fourth and a sixth to move up 10 spots to get him. And when you look at what what teams are paying to draft quarterbacks lately in terms of trade-up value, it's insane. Uh, and, and the Broncos to get Drew Locke for a four and a six, that to me, I love it. So I'm all for this pick. And, and Locke, I, I like his skill set, man. I know he struggled at, at times with certain things. But he's got the mental makeup. He's got the arm. He's got the athleticism. He's got the moxie. I think he's got what it takes to be a franchise QB if given time. All right, that wraps up our high five. Let's get some uh, maybe some teams, some teams and some picks that were maybe some overreaches here in rounds two through three. Uh, try to be not so negative here on the NFL Mox podcast, but we'll try to round up five here because uh, we are. We're going a little longer than we thought here, Sarah. We're catching a little second wind here. Uh, I'll start first. 
Uh, and to me, man, the worst pick in these rounds two through three came very, very early tonight, and it's Greg Little at 37, man. There was a, a, a lot better uh, availability and value there at the right tackle position, I feel. Uh, I'm not really high on Greg Little there at 37. What are your thoughts on the prospect out of Ole Miss? Yeah, uh, the run on tackles started, and I saw the mm-hmm. Panthers coming up, and I'm like, oh, well, there goes my hopes of Dalton Reisner or something like, you know, at least mm-hmm. Dalton Reisner there, or if not Cody Ford. And then to see them take Greg Little after going Brian Burns round one, I was kind of thinking to myself, man, they kind of got this a little bit backwards. They, they, uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't like the pick either. I'm with you on that. Yeah, most people thought the the run on tackles was definitely going in the first round, and then we see, uh, you know, guys like Greg Little, Cody Ford, and Don Reisner go there. You know, about 37 through what 43 uh, was the run on those guys. Um, mm-hmm. So. Good value there. We thought those guys could maybe potentially, not Greg Little, but definitely the other two maybe sneak into the uh, first round there. So who's maybe a guy you thought was overdrafted or maybe a team reached on? Man, I'm looking at the ugliest pick of the draft so far right now. Drew Sample to the Bengals. The 20th pick, man, in the second round. Like, I mean, that's bad. I I like Sample fine. I like Sample fine, but... For for him to be the twentieth pick in the second round, I just I just don't like it at all. He's he's a good blocking tight end, but that's you don't take third string tight ends in the second round. You know, you take a guy like Bruce on day three in round six or something like that. So that's just my opinion, but I didn't like the pick at all. I'm not a huge fan of Cahill Waring um, out of San Diego State. I thought you know Dawson Knox who went about fifteen picks after him is definitely a better football player. Uh, Foster Moreau still on the board here, I believe. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not a fan of that pick. I thought that was a bit of a reach. Um, you know, definitely a natural athlete, a very fluid athlete. Uh, played all four sports uh, there in high school, I believe, out west. But, uh, you know, at his time at San Diego State, that's a very run-heavy offense. Uh, they don't throw the football a lot. Uh, and to me, it showed, uh, you know, it proved true uh, in his tape. Not a very, very natural hands catcher. Um, there, so I thought that was a bit of an overdraft. Um, we'll we'll shoot it over to you, Sarah. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going with Marquise Blair for the Seattle Seahawks in round two, pick number fifteen. There, uh, I had Taylor Rapp and Nasir Adderley both higher on the board, and Juan Thornhill for that matter. So uh, seeing those seeing those guys get passed up on for Marquise Blair, this guy better be pretty good. Uh, I didn't hear a lot about him in the pre-draft process, so. Kind of, uh, kind of a surprise pick for me there. All right, I mean that's that's all I got. I I think there was some really good value, like we always talked about leading up to this draft from like you know rounds two through four. I think there's still even some good names left on the board for tomorrow. Maybe throw out some names. Who who are some guys you're looking forward to seeing? Uh, maybe come off the board tomorrow. I'm looking at Hakeem Butler, man, out of Iowa State. I don't understand yeah. how he's on the board. That doesn't make any sense to me. One of the best catch radius of any wide receiver in this draft. Made probably the most ridiculous draft of the entire pre-draft process this year, uh, or of the bowl season anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, just just a phenomenal athlete at the position. I don't understand how he's on board. I think two guys for me, uh, it's Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Um, or actually three guys, let's go. I believe Mac Wilson still on the board and available. The linebacker out of uh, Alabama, to me, I think the ball skills from that guy – uh, just lead uh, to 
to lead me to believe that he's going to be a productive pro. And then the third guy's got to stay true to the guest here on the NFL Mox podcast. It's got to be Blake Cashman, right? I think he's yeah. a, a day three guy. We've said it from the start. Um, and a guy who I think is going to be all over the field, um, especially on special teams. He made his money there, at, literally made his money, got a scholarship playing special teams uh, at Minnesota, and he's probably going to end up doing it in the league. Uh, so Blake Cashman, uh, a team that going to get really, really uh, satisfied with Blake Cashman coming off the board tomorrow. What do you think about that? I love it, man. I'd love to see Blake Cashman go to Denver. Personally, I think they've got two picks there. We can't five. all be Broncos. All the dudes can't be Broncos. Just saying, man. I'm just saying. They they're looking for a coverage backer, and wouldn't surprise me. Uh, you know, I I remember listening to the pot once again. Converted defensive back out of Minnesota, so he's got some coverage skills and special teams ability. You combine those two things, he might be the ideal pick for them tomorrow, if if anyone. So I love it. All right, Sarah, push the marketing, do all the pub, you, pub yourself up a little bit, give the Twitters, do everything, give all the NFL mocks information, do the, do the did, or deed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hit us up on Twitter, at NFL mocks. Uh, you can find us there doing some, doing some fun stuff and just evaluating all these picks with like a one or two line about every player. Follow me at Sarah Bettinger if you, if you like Broncos stuff. I'm always tweeting Broncos stuff. I cover the Broncos for predominantly orange, so you can follow us there. At Predom Orange didn't have enough characters in the in the old handle there to fit the full name. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, man, it's it's a lot of fun. This is the best time of year, honestly, and it's only going to get more fun because tomorrow we've got day three and the undrafted free agent frenzy. Mm, you DFA's so. baby, you DFA's baby, and then guess what? We get judging season. We get to sit up on our high horses and give grades and tell people that they stink and that they're bad at their jobs, even <laughs> though that we have no reality. Or idea of what it is, but nonetheless, we're going to give our opinions. Uh, that's the that's best right. time of the season, and there's no better place to be than NFLMocks.com. Um, and you can check me out on Twitter at Brooks underscore Austin FS. And as always, uh, you guys know what to do. You can leave your review if you want us to give a, a, a grade on a pick that you have uh, from your team. Leave it there in a review with a five star rating. We appreciate Sayer. Bettinger for joining us here on the NFL Mox Podcast, and we appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, thanks for joining us. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.